I'm very much in a rhythm most days. I'm up at 5, 5.30. I'm asleep at 9, 9.30. Um, and I really rely on those first two hours of my day before anybody else is awake to get my most important items accomplished. I wake up with my brain just firing. And as the day goes on, my brain cells start to die. <laughs> so I sure. recognize that anything that I really need to have that focused brain time for is going to occur in that 5.30 to 12.30 window. And then the less important things can happen after lunch. Welcome to the Swayology Podcast. I'm your host, Ann Watson, and I cannot wait to help you think like a business so you can inspire like a boss. I am a former corporate girl. I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur turned business coach, and I'm here to bring you practical advice, inspiration, and motivation as you navigate the wild, wild world of online business and marketing. We are going behind the scenes with successful coaches, creatives, communicators, and entrepreneurs. We're getting real about their stories so you can learn everything you need to in order to love your business and your life. So whether you are working to earn an income or you aim to get your message out there, the Swayology Podcast is going to give you the tools you need to grow your self-worth and your net worth. It's not going to be easy, but I promise you it's going to be worth it. So if you're ready, let's get to it. Hey, hey. Okay, welcome back to Swayology Podcast. I am so excited to bring you my friend Jess from Jess Plus The Mess. You can find her on social media and Facebook under that name. And for those of you who don't know her story, you are just in for a treat. She is a very busy mom of eight children. It's a blended family. And one of her kids is profoundly disabled. And so Jess has made a life out of taking care of her family and advocating for her son and for caregivers. And as you can imagine, this is an extremely busy life, but she has also built a business throughout it. She's written several books. Her fourth book is going to come out, I think, next year. And you guys are just not even going to believe how much this woman has accomplished. And so this episode is for you if you are somebody who just feels wired to be busy, if you have tons of ideas, if you get bored easily. These are all things that you will connect with Jess on. And we talk about her story or backstory, how she accomplishes everything that she does, what motivated her to even want to turn this into a business, how she carves out time for herself, and her best advice for doing the same thing for you, if that's something that you want to do. If you want to build a business, but your life is so busy, you can do it too. You guys are going to love her. You're going to love this. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes so that you can follow her after, find out more about her. I can't wait for you to meet my good friend, Jess. So let's go ahead and get started. Jess, welcome to the Swayology podcast. I have been looking forward to this conversation for a couple of weeks now, ever since I saw the documentary, which I want you to talk about. Uh, but for anybody who does not yet know you, I would love for you to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family, your story. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And that is a loaded question. Um, yeah, a little sorry. bit about myself. Just love where, that to you. <laughs> right. Where do I begin? Um, first and foremost, I am a mom to eight beautiful children. Um, that's a whole story in and of itself. I yeah. am an author, uh, podcast host at Coffee with Caregivers, associate producer of the Unseen Documentary, and executive director of the Lucas Project, a nonprofit that serves special needs families. 
Yeah, you just summed <laughs> yes. that right up, didn't you? Right. Yep. Um, okay. So I mentioned that I had watched the documentary, the unseen documentary that you you said executive director on associate or producer. Associate producer. Yep. There's a lot of titles in there. Right. A lot of titles. They sound pretty cool, but they do. I don't know how cool they really are. Well, for for my audience who's not yet gotten familiar with you and your book and your work, would you tell us a little bit about that documentary and maybe even the book that you wrote? Uh, yeah, the Unseen documentary is called Unseen, How We're Failing Parent Caregivers and Why It Matters. Um, it was just, it, it derived from an idea I had in 2017. My family often jokes that my tombstone will one day read, just had a great idea. Um, I, have, <laughs> I have lots of ideas. I throw lots of arrows at the board and every once in a while, one will stick and turn into something actually meaningful and purposeful. Um, and so I had this idea for this documentary as a way to sort of peel back the curtain of our life, really. I mean, we were really struggling. I had a profoundly disabled son named Lucas, and he was going through puberty, and he's nonverbal. Um, the aggression and behaviors were at an all-time high, and I just thought there are so many families like mine living in this exhausted, isolated space where the world doesn't even know about us um, because we're just hidden away. And we don't get out into the world very often because it's just not made for families like ours. And I thought, how can we somehow bring recognition to families like mine? I had been writing essays that were landing like in Newsweek and the Today Show. And I had my podcast, but I thought we have to somehow make this a bigger project. And um, just hopped on Facebook and threw out this post. You know, I have, a, I have this dream of creating this documentary. If there's a filmmaker somewhere that wants to chat, I would love to connect. And there was a filmmaker in Nashville that reached out. We got together for lunch and the rest is history. Um, we spent the next four years creating this documentary. And last month it uh, was shown on PBS throughout the nation. So it's it's making a difference in the lives of parent caregivers. And it's really opening up those conversations that we need to be having about caregiving and how we don't value and respect it. And we don't value and respect these parent caregivers who are doing this like into their seventies and eighties. And how are we going to address this problem, especially as the special needs community and children with disabilities, we're just seeing these numbers rise every single year. So unless we really get serious about it, um, we're going to have a, a tsunami of an issue here in the next couple of years because these families really need support. Um, and then shifting into the books, I've actually written three books. Um, my fourth is coming out next November, but they're primarily memoirs. Uh, Sunlight Burning at Midnight is my story. Uh, Blended with Grit and Grace is kind of a continuation of my story when we lived in rural Tennessee um, just after blending our families and then Loving with Grit and Grace. Um, I didn't so much want to write that book, but my publisher said, we'd love for you to write a book on marriage. And I was like, mm, I don't know, because the second you start to think you have something all figured out, it's like it kind of blows up in your face. So. Of course, of course. <laughs> and I said, well, and they kept persisting and saying, you know, I know you've only been married for 13 years, but you have eight children and grief and profound disabilities and you have a lot of life lessons. So I agreed on the premise that it would be like kind of a bunch of short stories related to marriage, but not necessarily like this is how you should do marriage because we have it all figured out. And then 
they they were fine with that. So that book was released last February, coming up on its year-long anniversary this February. Wow. Okay. So you said you have eight children, mm-hmm. which I think for most people, myself included, that's hard to wrap your brain around. I mean, I had three and felt like I was Mach 2 with my hair on fire all the time. So yeah, (laughs) yeah. so eight kids, I mean, that's a lot of kids. Yeah. And one of them is profoundly disabled, which is full-time 24 seven job. That's, that's not just occasional and you don't get a lot of help. And it it, it's, it's just, it's an all consuming life thing. And yet you've been able to work on this documentary, start the foundation, write these books I mean, how are you carving out time to essentially build a business as somebody who truly doesn't have time to build a business? Well, we kind of talked about this before we hopped on and yeah. um, it, it is how I'm wired, um, very much how I'm wired to stay busy. Um, I'm the oldest of 12 and so we had those systems in place, you know, chores and every day my mom would be like, work, then play. She'd sing this little ditty. <laughs> so, yeah. so it was work, then play. Um, and I'm very, um, I'm an Enneagram one. So I, I have that in me to constantly make the world a better place. Um, but in terms of like the nitty gritty, um, how, how does she actually make this all work? I have a lot of systems in place as well. My kids are very independent. Um, We do have like chore systems. I don't necessarily do it all. We do have some help for Luke. And I often joke that really I I wrote my first book while nursing my eighth child because she was such a horrible sleeper. I would just be rocking and nursing like all night long and writing notes on my phone and, and everything. It sounds like I'm doing so much, but so many of the projects kind of come and go in waves as well. Um, Uh So like, I'm not writing a book right now. I just submitted that manuscript. So I'm um, digging in really deeply with the nonprofit work and getting some grant proposals out. So it's not like everything is going on all at once. The documentary has been created. So for a period of time, that really took priority in our life as we were creating that, but I wasn't doing other things. So it looks like it's all this stuff that I do all the time, but it's not um, as heavy, I think, as it might seem. Yeah, well, that's good to know, because I think that it's important for people to recognize that there are seasons for different things. Mm -hmm. And so would you say that when you can carve out a little bit of time to do something that you're just really kind of focusing on one thing at a time, one project or? I think, um, I'm very much in a rhythm most days. I'm up at 5, 5.30. I'm asleep at 9, 9.30. Um, and I really rely on those first two hours of my day before anybody else is awake to get my most important items accomplished. I wake up with my brain just firing. And as the day goes on, my brain cells start to die. <laughs> so I sure. recognize that anything that I really need to have that focused brain time for is going to occur in that 5.30 to 12.30 window. And then the less important things can happen after lunch, um, like getting my walk-in or um, preparing dinner or doing laundry or whatever that looks like. How are you picking and choosing the projects that are getting priority? Because ultimately, 
your family is what needs you as priority, but you're wanting to build these other things. Mm -hmm. And how are you choosing which thing you're going to work on? Because your time is limited and precious. It is. Yes. And I think it, um, it is that consistency just showing up every day. And when the kids are in school and they all are in school, I am, I'm working from nine 30 to three 30 until they walk in the door. And then I switch to mom mode. Um, and I, I really try to be more intentional about family time on the weekends too. I'm not on social media a whole lot and um, I'm not doing a lot of work. And it's, I guess I've learned that it has to be enough, whatever you can fit into that 5.30 to 3.30, that's your working day. And that can be a struggle because I work from home. Um, So to differentiate between work and family, but those are the rhythms that work for me. And then even as I've gotten busier and busier, I've noticed a need to even take a sabbatical twice a year, like a whole month long sabbatical from meetings, from social media, and just sort of exhale. And I'm still writing and creating, but I'm not um, pushing, if that makes sense. I'm not doing podcast interviews. I'm not pumping out content on social media, because that takes a lot of energy too, to pump out that content and get people to see you and know you and and want to buy your stuff and support your stuff. Um, so I'm going inward a little bit more like January and June of every year, but it's been, it's been trial and error. I definitely get caught up in like crazy town too, where I'm recognizing that my body's kind of shutting down. I'm not feeling very healthy. I'm doing too many things, but that's, those have become signals to myself. Okay. You got to rein it in. What are we going to take off your plate? Um, for the time being, just so that I can get back into a healthy headspace. Yeah, I still, I, you know, I, it's such great advice that for the working window that you have, what you can do has to be enough. Mm-hmm. So you're going to stop your brain from this cycle of, I should be doing more. I can be doing more. I want to take on this project. I mean, you said when you die, your kids were going to put on your gravestone that she had all the ideas. Which just had a great I, idea. <laughs> yes. Right. And like, I resemble that remark, right? But yeah. you are compartmentalizing them, you're prioritizing them. And then you're only doing what you can in the space that you have. And I think given the way that you're wired, that you're the Enneagram one, you love to stay busy, that maybe sometimes that's hard. And correct me if I'm wrong but that you only get the two hours a day to work on your thing, you know? Well, I mean, it goes till 3.30. So okay. it's okay. a 5, 5.30 to 3.30 is kind of my space. But I recognize that my most powerful brain time is in that early morning space. So like, for example, I just turned in my fourth manuscript last month. I would get up at 5.30 and I would write till 7.30 because I knew my, my brain just fires really well in those early morning hours. And then I would feel like, okay, well, I just devoted two hours to writing. I'm feeling pretty good about this today. And then, you know, there are other tasks that then take priority after that. But sure. right now it's that early morning time is devoted to grant writing because that's my most important task. And I guess in my mind, I kind of prioritize the importance of my tasks so that I can accomplish that most important work early in the morning. And my husband's completely opposite. His brain starts firing from like three to eight 
at night is when okay. he feels on fire and he can't hardly even formulate a coherent thought early in the morning. So he's recognized that his most important work has to take place like more in that three to eight range because that's when he's feeling the most productive. Interesting. So I think it's just, it's recognizing when your peak hours are and then prioritizing the most important tasks to get accomplished during those peak hours. Sure. Absolutely. Everybody has them. Yeah. I would say that I'm in the morning too, but sometimes I don't use my mornings as well as I should. Well, when you have eight kids, you have to. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. No, you have to. (laughs) Or it's not going to get done. Right. Or it won't get done. And, but I'm just really interested in, I want to go back in your story just a little bit because, you know, you do have the eight kids and the profoundly disabled son, and you have done the documentary, you have done the, uh, you're building a, is it a a caregiving home? How would you describe what that is? A group home. A group home. Yeah. Uh, all of these different things, like at what point when you were just raising this family and being the full-time caregiver, were you like, I, I want to do something else. I want to put something else out in the world, maybe build a business out of this. Like how, how did that come about for you? Well, like I said earlier, I've always had great ideas. And even when Luke, great ideas (laughs) in quotation marks. Oh, I think they're great. When Luke was born, I vowed to start a nonprofit in his honor one day. Um, That did not take off until 14 years after he was born when my husband and I were struggling so drastically with his care and needing a break. And I always thought the nonprofit would help the children um, with disabilities. And then when my husband and I were floundering and just like, my husband, he was ending up in an ER numerous times a week with panic attacks that resembled heart attacks. And we just couldn't hardly get our anxiety under control because we just needed a break so badly. And I just thought, well, why don't we start a nonprofit for caregivers? Because the child can't be healthy if the, the parents aren't doing well. So yeah. we, we launched the Lucas Project in 2017 and started the Respite Center. I'll back up. I always wanted to be a writer. Um, from the time I was like eight years old, I was going to be an author. Well, then I went to college and people are like, well, what if you can't sell a book? Then what are you going to do? So then I got my teaching degree because I figured, well, I might as well teach. So um, and then I got my master's degree in that. But writing was always in the back of my mind. I want to be an author someday. And I would say that was always my passion. But then having Lucas, my profoundly disabled son, every time a need presented itself in our life because of him, I would start something to address that need. So the documentary came out of that, the nonprofit came out of that, the group home came out of that. As we see a problem in our life, we try to fix it. And again, that's just kind of a personality thing because I've come to understand I'm not going to sit around and wait for the government or society to swoop in and save me because they're not coming. Um, So what are we going to do? What are we able to control in our life in order to make our life a little more manageable and to make Lucas's life a little bit more manageable? And so all of these solutions that have come out of my life have just happened to benefit so many other 
individuals and families as well um, because I've shared about them <laughs> on social media. So social media has been good to me. Yeah, for sure. And I think that this is a really important point. And a lot of the people that I work with, a lot of my clients, the thing they want to build a business out of comes from an experience or a need that they have identified in their own life, they, their passion is basically mm -hmm. born out of what has happened to them. And they want to create some kind of resource to help other people that are kind of coming along after them and saying, here, let me help you avoid this pitfall. And let me help you, you know, have some tools or strategies for this thing. And so whether they're authors or they're business people, they're their coaches, whatever it is, most of the people that I work with are building something based out of solving a problem that they had in their own life. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like your story is a beautiful example of that. And it's, you know, been driven by you needing to solve these issues for yourself, but it's so wonderful because you also look beyond just you and your family and you're like, how can we solve these for other people as well? And I think that's what's turned it into not just a passion for you, but also a business. Yeah, it has. And I'm a big believer. And if you follow your passion, you can make money in any, in any arena. Um, and I, I feel extremely fortunate because I am able to make a living in these areas that are extremely beneficial to my family and to so many other people's families. And it doesn't even feel like work so much. And maybe that's a little bit of the secret to my success as well, is it doesn't feel like work. I love what I do mm. every single day. And if you can find that sweet spot in your life, um, I don't know that there's anything better really than to go through life getting up excited about what you get to do every single day. And maybe that's why it's easy to hop on the computer and to fill out those grants or to fill out those book proposals or whatever that looks like, because there's not anything really in my life that I don't enjoy doing. What a gift that is. Work-wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There are aspects of my, my, and there are, I mean, there are parts of my work that I enjoy more than other parts too. Like I, I am not a huge fan of meetings, but I understand that they serve a, a, a place, a very important place in my life. Um, yes. But they're, they're part of the, the process. Uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about all of the, the things that you have going on in your life and thinking about the woman at home who has a passion for the thing that she wants to do. And she's, she's feeling overwhelmed maybe by some other things in her life, but this thing is just nagging at her that she wants to start doing it. Like what advice would you give to somebody who feels like they're in just a, a busy kind of chaotic life, but they have something that's gnawing at them that they really want to do for themselves or in the service of others. What advice do you have for just getting that done and prioritizing that for themselves? I think just what has always worked for me is consistently doing something small every day. Um, and that that can be in numerous areas. Uh, for example, I'll just give a tangible example here. We are preparing for a golf fundraiser um, in spring of 2024 for the Lucas Project. And on my to-do list is pitch one business a day, pitch one restaurant a day, 
for for gift cards for raffle prizes so it's just one just one a day that i have to find a business that i can pitch for sponsorships or and find a restaurant that i can pitch to get those gift cards for the raffle baskets and i've always broken up things into very digestible easily attainable tasks because i think when you look at the overall picture of gosh we're throwing this golf fundraiser and it would be so amazing to make fifty thousand dollars for this respite center we want to create that can almost feel like overwhelming pressure whereas just those little those little tasks every day but it's that consistently sitting down and marking it off your to-do list okay i did that whatever that looks like for for this particular person that we're imagining. Um, and I get bored easily. That I think that's why I have so many things going on because I don't dedicate more than an hour or two to a task before I'm bored and I wanna move on to something new and exciting. So I'm not that person who's gonna sit down and write for eight hours. Like that sounds miserable, but I can write for two hours and I'm on to the next thing and then I'm on to the next thing. So. I'm like, yes, I get bored easily too. And so I like to constantly have new things, new ideas. I mean, maybe it's a a shiny squirrel object thing, whatever, but yeah, I resemble that. And so, yeah, I totally am tracking with you. Yeah. Not everybody's wired that way, but if you are, I think recognize it. And so give yourself a couple of pots to dip your hand in throughout the day so that you don't get bored and burned out because I would get burned out if I had to do one task for eight hours all day, every day. That would be horrible to me. Could not agree more. Well, I, I could talk to you all day. Uh, but I know that there are ways that people can connect with you. You've definitely, you've got the books, you've got the podcast. What other ways can people get in touch with you? Especially if they are a parent caregiver who would just like to get in touch with you to learn about the resources that you guys have helped with that might help them? Well, I have a couple of websites. The lucasproject.org is the nonprofit um, and caregiverdoc.com is the website for the documentary. And then my personal website is jessplusthemess.com and it's just sort of all encompassing with all the things. and then I hang out on Facebook a lot at Just Plus MS and Instagram. And we also have our Lucas Project and Caregiver Doc uh, channels on those two social media outlets as well. So that's probably the easiest way. Well, I, I hope that people will reach out to you. And I am going to put all of the links to all of this stuff in the show notes so that it's really easy for people to find. But just any last words of wisdom for building a business and a life in the midst of what you call the mess. Right. (laughs) I think it's um, just back to that consistently do something every day. Um, Those just step by step. I walk every single day and um, I'm not in the gym, but I I make sure I get my two mile walk in every single day. And I kind of try to live my life in a similar way, just a little bit every day. And then all of a sudden you've kind of built this thing that you look back on and you're like, wow, I built a business. How weird is that? (laughs) Or like, in my instance, I built a documentary. I wrote four books. I built this nonprofit. This is so weird, but it's just consistently showing up every day and then being able to look back a few years later and go, gosh, I did that. Good for me. (laughs) Yeah. And good for you. 
good for you. Good for your family. Good for everybody that gets to benefit of all of these amazing projects and books and resources that you've put out there. Just thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing a little bit about your story and your process. I have found this to be very inspiring and I know a lot of my listeners will too. So I just really appreciate you being here today. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. There you have it. I hope that you got so much out of this episode. I hope you'll save it. You'll download it. You'll revisit it. You'll take all the notes. And I hope that you're going to share it with people that you know that might benefit from some of this information. Thank you so, so much for listening to the Swayology podcast. You can find all of the links for everything that we talked about today in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and take a screenshot and post about it on your Instagram or your Facebook or wherever you like to post. And then tag me because I will also reshare it. It makes my day when you do that, but really what it does is it helps other people like you find the show and build our community. Got comments? I would love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram or head over to my website and shoot me an email. Thanks again for listening. I'm so happy that you're here and so happy to be on this journey with you, both of us together. And I cannot wait to see you next time on the Swayology Podcast.